Only on a Sunday, a podcast about more than church. Welcome to the Only on a Sunday podcast. My name is Kristen Lowry, and I am joined by my husband, Daniel. Hello. This season, we are focusing on stories from the field, speaking with practitioners of mission and gospel movement in the world. Today, we have the privilege of Kirk Overstreet joining us. Hello. Hello. Thank you, Kirk, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, A little bit about Kirk. He has been married to his wife, Tamara, for over 21 years. They have three sons, Jerry, who's 30, Kyle, who's 25, and Ezekiel, who's nine, turning 10 on August. August 21st, which from today's recording will be tomorrow. So right. happy birthday. Aww, yeah. 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 Super exciting. And they mm-hmm. have a daughter in love, Jesse, uh, who is married to their eldest son. And they have a grandson who's three years old and a granddaughter who is a year old. Kurt currently serves as a missionary for the Send Network, which is part of the North American Mission Board, serving as a church planning catalyst for the Los Angeles region. He also serves the Set Free Churches movement nationally. Kirk planted his first church while a student at California Baptist University in 1997 called Common Ground and then planted Set Free Pomona in 1999. Kirk loves helping mobilize churches into their gospel mission and would like to see over 500 healthy multiplying churches before his time is done. His heart is to see all to come to know Jesus and has found that church planting pushes that mission quicker than any other strategy. Kirk, as I was reading your bio, I realized when you were planting that church in Pomona in 1999, mm-hmm. I was living in Pomona. Oh, no way. Yeah, I needed Jesus, dude. So oh, where were you? Where, where, exactly. Where were you? I think I saw you run around the corner when I came yeah. your way. I was going to say, I feel like you have the corner on really great names. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I don't know like, about honestly, that. common ground and set free. I just love that. So good. It's it's simple sometimes. Yeah. It's simple words. Nice. Well, hey, great to have you on. Super Thank excited you. to just have an opportunity to have you share your story with our audience. I've been blessed to know you uh for the last, I don't know, maybe like six months, not quite a year, through our work together with the Send Network. And mm-hmm. uh man, first time I met you, I'm like, this dude is the real deal. Like, mm-hmm. this is fabulous. So super excited to have you share with our audience. Um, what I'd love to do first is just ask you to share a funny outreach kind of ministry story <laughs> with with our audience, just to prove to people that you are not a professional practitioner. <laughs> oh, man. So uh, we were asked to start a church in Georgia, in Atlanta, from California. We took a crew of over 40 people to go do some outreach for a week. And so we come in from California into a culture that in the South, we're South, Southern California, but that's deep South. And so our outreaches consist of where we have a free barbecue, free sodas. We're going to give some things away and have music and draw people that way. So we put out flyers, thousands of flyers saying, come out to a free barbecue with free soda giveaways. So we had hundreds of people show up to our outreach on a corner at a tire shop. This owner let us use his parking area. And we had hundreds of people. And I'm talking to some of the leaders of Georgia who wanted us to start a church there. And so I'm on the 
on the side of this building talking to them. And one of my guys runs up, Pastor Kirk, Pastor Kirk, they're throwing hot dogs at us. They're mad. They're mad. And I was like, what's going on? So I go around the corner and they're yelling at the at the people as our, our people giving out the hot dogs. And so this older black gentleman, he comes over and says, um, I just got to let you guys know, we've been holding off eating all day to come to a good, good barbecue. Oh, no. And we come here and there's hot dogs. <laughs> you wasted charcoal to cook hot dogs. And I'm like, I'm sorry. We're from Southern California. Anything you cook outside on a, is a barbecue to us. Yes. You know? yes. So yes. he's all, you got to understand. We're thinking chicken, ribs, steak. You know, we're thinking, you know, the throwdown of barbecue mm-hmm in the south so it was a cultural lesson for sure and they were gracious they finally backed away this man kind of you know interpreted the the mistake of the wording so uh yeah seeing hot dogs flying (laughs) at an outreach was just it was one of those moments i was like wow that's hilarious dude number one rule of mission know your context yes (laughs) yes exactly and we call it set free steaks is a hot dog, you know. <laughs> They're affordable. You can package. You can get a lot for a small amount of price, and you can feed a lot of people, and it's great. Yeah, right. But not in the okay. south when you put barbecue. So, but yeah, free hot dogs and free south. soda. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. We're not picky here in Los Angeles. We put barbecue sauce on anything, and it's called a barbecue. You know, put it on mac and cheese. Barbecue mac and cheese. There you go. There you go. Well, I don't know how you guys do in Riverside, but that's, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, thanks, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> that is absolutely hilarious. Let's get to the the meat and potatoes, the heart of, of, of our time. Uh, can you share with us a little bit, Kirk, about your, your story, um, mm-hmm. kind of where you came from, how Jesus, you know, won your heart yeah. and kind of how you got into mission, you know, gospel, planting the gospel movements, uh, I think Kristen and I like to term the phrase, you know, we want to be a part of something that only Jesus can do. Right. And and yeah. kind of seeing what Set Free is doing is it's it's something that only Jesus could do. Like, yeah. you couldn't yeah. come up with this. So, yeah, share with us a little bit about your story. Uh, I grew up as a SOB, uh, son of a Baptist. Um, <laughs> and they were uh, missions. They were doing missions in the Caribbean. Did you edit that, Kristen? Are we, are we going to edit that? <laughs> Sorry. No, it is I love fact. it. It's, very, it's perfectly on brand. I think yeah. it's great. <laughs> I, so I, I grew up as a pastor's kid, and my parents were missionaries in the Caribbean in St. Vincent, and they're planting a church there. And then a couple years into it, problems happen. They get divorced. I move with my dad up in the South Sacramento and he thought he could never pastor again. And by God's grace, a church that was broken in the ghetto hood of South Sacramento couldn't keep a pastor. And so they gave him a shot and they loved him. And he preached his guts out and it was incredible. Had a good time as a young kid in the middle of uh, just craziness of seeing people killed, shot, crack was rapid back in the 80s. Crazy stuff happening in those days. And and that church was vibrant in the middle of it all. It was fun. And then uh, my dad was called to a church in Southern California. And when my dad was at that church, it was a totally different different life of the church. It was a lot of controversy, a lot of bickering, gossiping, 
So I'd go to church and everybody would be praising Jesus, but all week they're, they were bashing my parents. And it just didn't make sense to me as I was going into my teen years. It just frustrated me of the hypocrisy. And so I chose to go to the streets instead of church. And I saw the, the church wasn't real and the streets were more real. And so I got mad at the church and church equaled God to me. And so I got mad at God. And so I went really heavy into the streets, started partying, doing drugs, doing stupid stuff. And my dad found out about it and said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You can't be living this way and doing these things. You're endangering our house as well for some of the things I was doing then. So he kicked me out and I was I was out in the streets for, for a night. It was, it was a brisk, cold, you know, 60 degrees winter in California and I couldn't handle it. So I begged my way back in and um, he said, okay, you're going to have to do this. You're going to have to get some counsel. Um, you're going to have to you know, abide by the rules. And I said, yeah. And that lasted for about two weeks. And so long story is I got kicked out of the house three times, ended up in the streets, uh, living in my car, or couch surfing here and there. And so I would kind of burn the spot there. And so eventually I had a roommate who was just sick and tired of being tired and he wanted help. He tried to go everywhere to get help and insurance wasn't going to cover him because of his age or they wanted him to stand in front of a store and ask for money and all these other things and or it was too crowded. So my dad came by, I was working and he came by and said, hey, I just heard this, this pastor at a pastor's meeting talk about this place called Set Free and they have a ranch and it's all about Jesus and it's a place for people who are on drugs, homeless, wink, wink, um, who need help. And I was like, oh, my roommate needs help. <laughs> Not me. And so my dad went and talked to my roommate while I was at work. That's the kind of guy he was. He, he was bold. And so he shared and get to my house. And my roommate's like, hey, I'm going to this church with your dad to talk about getting into this program. And so my dad came and was picking him up and said, you want to go? I said, no. He said, well, I'll take you guys to a steak dinner on the way there. Not a tube steak dinner, but a real steak <laughs> dinner. And so I said, Sure go there. And uh, this is back in 96. And when I went into this church, it was like the Noah's Ark of, of church, we call it, where there's two of every kind. You know, you got the preppy crew, you got the homeless with no shoes, you got the, mm -hmm. the gangster, you got the, you know, every walk of life was in there and they're, they're rack, rapping, they're rocking out. And then the pastor comes and preaches. And then at the end, I catch myself standing up, walking towards the aisle to go forward because of the altar call. And I stopped because I know growing up at church, when you go forward, you do business with God. And I wasn't in the mood or the or in the state to, to go forward, I thought. I, I just, I was like, I kind of said, what am I doing? But for some reason, my feet didn't want to listen. I kept walking forward. And the more I walked forward, just a flood of God's grace and mercy just Counted me of his, you know, his how he was always there for me. He's he never left me. He loved me, and all the different memories of the things that I I learned in church and the mission trips I would go on as a kid and going knocking on doors with my dad when he would go knock on doors and all those things just just pounded me. I'm just weeping, and I haven't wept in a long time at that point. And it was weird to cry in front of people, and so I just fell on my knees crying and. A lady came and said, Jesus loves you. And I was like, I know. And then my roommate came forward and he gave his heart to the Lord. And 
Uh, went to the ranch, was there for three and a half months, and I was ready to go face the world again. And one of the, the nights I was there, I felt like God called me to become a pastor. And so I, I shared that with one of the leaders and I said, I'm not, I'm not going to be a pastor. That's terrible. <laughs> they're broke. They're disrespected all the time. They have, Amen. Preach it. Preach <laughs> they, have, they have terrible work hours. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's just not the life I have always wanted. Right. So, so the overseer, he said, so what you're saying is you're bringing your trash can to Jesus and you're dumping it all on Jesus. And then you're going to walk away with that new empty can into the world. And I, I didn't like how he phrased it. And I wrestled and I wrestled and I, I realized that's what I was doing. I was giving Jesus my trash, my sin, but not my life. And so it really, it, it really got me wrestling. And in those days, they had a Sunday night service and one of the associate pastors preached and he said, I'm going to do a different altar call. This is for those who feel called to ministry. And I looked over at that guy and said, you told him something, didn't you? But he, he swears he didn't. So... I just felt called to ministry. And, and so I went forward and said, man, I feel like God's called me to ministry. And so that was 26 years ago. And God just wrecked my life for nothing more than just him and the mission. And so I've been pastoring, planting churches, um, traveling the world, sharing the gospel. And it's just, I would have never thought when you put your hands in the hands of Jesus, what he would do. And oh. so I'm very blessed by his love. Yeah, what a great story. So one of the things you mentioned in your story is being a part of a Set Free. Mm -hmm. And that's really one of the main things that you're doing today that you're a part of. Can you share with us a little bit about Set Free? Like, what is yeah. it? Yeah. You know, what are the goals? And just what is Jesus doing in, in that movement? Yeah, Set Free is a, a church, not a ministry. It's a church that has multiple ministries. And some of the ministries... One of the distinct one is doing outreaches every week. We realize that people don't go to church. And so we are yeah. to be the church that goes to them. And so we do a lot of outreaching. We uh, go to parks, apartments, street corners. Sometimes uh, a store will allow us to use their parking lot. And we'll just uh, open up like the story I shared earlier with, you know, um, hot dogs and sodas, free barbecue. Uh, and uh, some I hope it ways. works better out here. <laughs> yeah, it sure does. We just get free food. Free food. Yeah. Uh, and we bring food bags, stuff like that now. And we, we just uh, stir up a, a crowd on a Friday night or a Saturday afternoon and draw people over there. And we preach the gospel and we have a place called The Ranch. It's a discipleship ranch. When I was pitched about it, my dad didn't know, but he thought there was going to be, you know, horses, cows, all that stuff. But there's just wild animals, which are people there. Not oh. um, <laughs> we're, we're the livestock. And so right. uh, it's, it's a humble place. It's in a place where people can get away from the city, from the lifestyle that they were a part of familiar place and to where they can just get in front of Jesus. So it's Jesus in the morning, Jesus afternoon, Jesus at night. And uh, we have a men's discipleship ranch and then we have a women's discipleship ranch. And uh, we have people from all different walks of life that show up. We have doctors, people that worked on the shuttle for NASA. We've had people that were veterans, um, some pastors we've had. Uh, we've had all kinds of people with 
different addictions. Um, in the last 10, 15, maybe about 15 years, we've seen a big uptick of people on opioids or heavy prescriptions that got them addicted and led them into a terrible life. We've seen a big uptick in the last six, seven years, probably eight years now of heroin use for kids like 11 years old. And wow. it's just wow. devastating to see mm. such a young generation um, using heroin. And we thought heroin was, you know, for the older generation. And we're hoping that that would, you know, peter out. But it, it really thrived because of all the, the pills they're addicted to and stuff. So it's a place mm-hmm. to, to get sober. But we tell people, don't chase sobriety, chase Jesus. Chase Jesus because, yeah. you know, sobriety is always going to be a uh, issue and there's going to be other issues, but Jesus is going to be the one that answers all the issues that you face. And so mm-hmm. um, keep Jesus the main thing. And so they, they, they're they there for 30 to 60 days and then they can move forward. And so that's what makes Set Free distinct is that we do a lot of outreach. We also bring them with us home to a place called The Ranch and then the church is unique because it's um, it's messy. It's a messy church with a, a lot of mercy and grace that has to be extended because of some of the, the background yeah. that a lot of people have had to go through. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we're, we're, we're all about Jesus. We pray Jesus. We teach Jesus. We, you know, we preach it. We're, it's all it's all about Jesus is our, our one of our themes. Mm hmm. Awesome. You know, one of the things in our conversation that I've really enjoyed, I, I just my heart was stirring, was when you're talking about set free, it's that the people that are today, like what we would consider the ministers, were at one point mm-hmm. the riffraff or the wild animals, as, as you call mm-hmm. them. Yeah. And so that's really our heart in, in what we're trying to communicate to people is moving ministry away from the paid professionals, the, you know, Mm -hmm. the trained professionals and putting it in the hands of the people, you know, you've been touched by God's grace. Now go out and extend that grace. So Mm -hmm. can you share with us a little bit about just some of the stories of guys that, and women who have gone from, you know, the least of these to, you know, bringing about the God, bringing the gospel. Oh, there's a, there's thousands to to share about because what we've we've done with Set Free is we don't have an elite team or department of evangelists that go out and mm-hmm. do the do the work. It's the whole church goes, mm-hmm. and that's part of the discipleship process. You know, that's what Jesus did. He said, "Hey, follow me," and then they followed, and then he put them to work and sent them out. And so we we do discipleship making from the get-go. The first day they're there, we actually give them three days of grace to just wake up, get get sober, but then they get into the function and so right away they're in the Word. And then we have a time where they read Proverbs, then we ask, expound on it. So right away they're learning to expound the Word of God, to kind of understand the Word of God, but then to practice it by working, by caring for people, by doing outreaches, by giving out food, by sharing their stories, sharing their testimony. And so we're activating them to be participants in the gospel right away. And it's not because you're a pastor that you get to do it and you just watch me do it. And I'll tell you stories about someone else that did it, but you can be a part of the story. It just mobilizes the body of Christ, like mm-hmm. Ephesians you know, 4 it says that we have 
apostles, prophets, evangelists, preachers, teachers, and those are to equip the saints mm-hmm. to do the work. So it's it's they're equipping. Of course, they're seeking the Lord. They're they have that intimacy with God, and then they're teaching the followers of Christ how to have that themselves to where they can be active in the ministry. And so we're always trying to stay out of the way of what the Holy Spirit's doing. We don't want to be the the one that pours water on somebody because we've had people look at us when we walk into a conference that, you know, a bunch of Christians are at and they're looking at us like security. And we're like, <laughs> no, we're secure in Christ. Uh, you know, like, we're good. So uh, I got to, I got to jump in Kirk. When, when we were at the send conference in uh, Corona, you know, East Vale, Corona uh-huh. area, right? Yeah, we walked in. And there were very two. There were two very distinct groups of people. <laughs> there were there were the you know we're too cool for school pastor. You know mm-hmm. our shirts are twenty sizes too big and our jeans are three sizes too small, right? <laughs> and then there were the the other guys, um, which I found myself having more fun with the other guys. Uh, but can you just because our audience doesn't know what you're talking about? Can you share with us like when you walk in, like what would you see? Yeah, we we say we are our sheep in wolves' clothing. Um, we we may look like uh, someone that may rob you and, and beat you down, and that was because that was some people's profession before they professed mm-hmm. Christ. Yeah, and so yeah. I recall when I was going to college, and someone really was with a loving heart, really wanted to help me. He thought and said you know, you need to get some good church clothes because I was wearing jeans and, you know, a shirt, you know, a t-shirt and, you know, and I was wearing a ball cap and I would preach in that. And so he, he said, you know, I, I want to give you some money for you can go church shopping, you know, to get, and I was like, where's, where's the church department at Sears or Jason Penny? Like <laughs> I see the apparel for sports, for suit jackets and, and I, I was being cynical to him, but I told him, if I dress like you and I go to the neighborhood that I go preach in, they think I'm either two things that we don't trust, a car salesman or a DA, you know, a, a lawyer, um, because yeah, that's what they wear. I said, I'm, I'm comfortable in my, my own armor. And I refer to how, you know, Saul was trying to put David, you know, in this clunky suit to go to war. And I said, I, I feel more comfortable in this hmm. to preach. And I go into war zones to where I feel I don't want them to be fake when I'm ministering to them. And there's times where I'm just talking to someone at a store or on the street, they're cussing away. They're just cussing, you know, in their conversation with me. And then one of my, my guys from my church would come by, hey, pastor, um, do you want a soda? Or, hey, pastor, we're, um, we're over here. And the, the guy or the lady was like, what? Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> what are you sorry for? Oh, I was cussing at you. <laughs> and so I'm like, you're just being real. And I think that's what I enjoy is mm-hmm. that people feel comfortable to be real with me. That way I can let them know, hey, in your state, I, I'm not afraid of you. I love you. And this is what Jesus has done for me. He showed mm-hmm. me that he's not afraid of me in my words and he's going to love me. And, and, and if you read the Psalms, pretty much Psalms is a lot of times David's cussing at God. He's cursing and mad that these things are happening to him. But at the end, he gets to the point of how sovereign God is and mighty God is. And so, yeah, we dress a little different. You know, we, Mm -hmm. we have bikers um, that wear the 
biker gear. We have gangsters that, you know, came from that lifestyle. We have surfers and we even have the hipsters, you know, that have the greasy beards and the little ponytail on the top, you know, so it, we have them all. And that's why I refer to it. We're like the Noah's Ark of the church. We have mm-hmm. all the diversity. We have black, white, Hispanic, Asian, Indian, you name it. They're under the, the roof because Jesus is for them. Mm-hmm. So this is the part that sticks out to me because, you know, one of the questions we were talking about is the priesthood of all believers. Mm. And I just would love for you to share with our listeners, like, how did you maybe avoid the traditional church thing? Mm. Like, if I build it, they will come. Let's be multiple. You know, because that was kind of, you know, happening around the time that you were getting started because Dan is about that same time frame, too. So how did you not get caught up in that movement of church as, like, now we're a business and now the pastor is really a CEO? You know, because that's one of the things we really appreciate about you guys is that you Mm. are totally real and you are really reaching these people but you're also kind of a unicorn in mm-hmm. that church world. I wanted all that though. <laughs> be honest. I, <laughs> I, when I started the, it was my, my third church I was starting and, and it was the one in Pomona. I wanted to have, and this it was back in 99, 2000. And I wanted it to be like a techno hip hop type church where we'd have the DJ lights and, you know, the show and all that yeah. stuff. And, and I actually got it. I got those things and I mm. put it up and then I opened up the building and it wasn't that scene. It was the the person who lived in a tent. There was a person down the street that was living in hard times of poverty. So it turned out to not be what I wanted. Mm. And I tell, I, I work with church planters a lot and they, they give me, you know, their, their design and their plan and their ideas of what the church that they're going to start is going to be to reach this type of people grow, group. And sometimes I kind of laugh because I was like, that was me too. But <laughs> sometimes God gets us into those moments just to get us to go forward into the mission. And if the mission doesn't turn out the way you wanted it, you will get calloused um, mm-hmm. and hardened to the mission if it doesn't work out the way you thought it would be. And so I've realized it's not about me. It's about Jesus and it's about reaching people. And if I can you know, have a, a bright orange building to attract people, then I'm going to paint it bright orange. But we know that it's not about the color of the building. Mm-hmm. It's about relationship, compassion, empathy, mm-hmm. and just doing what Jesus did, be, being simple, being there, being present, mm-hmm. and um, making it about the people and not about the presentation. And so mm-hmm. um, a lot of times the presentation, it's great to draw, but it's a lot of upkeep. And people are going to uh, start to realize that you are more concerned about the upkeep of this than me. And when you look at the scriptures, you see that Jesus is more about the upkeep of people. If it wasn't that, then he would have never split the veil. He would have never had the rocks crumble uh, of the temple that David built, if that was the case. And so it was always about the people. And um, mm-hmm. he, that's why he had his body de- destroyed um, and r- just ripped apart for us because he, he was like, it's about you guys. It's not about my building. Mm-hmm. That's good. Yeah. Which leads to another question we wanted to ask you. So putting on your theologian hat, you know, your 
you know, your missional, you know, I mean, you are, you are, yeah, you are a very influential guy. You know, you deal with a lot of church planters. You have, you have a a certain position that gives you a platform, Mm -hmm. uh, which, you know, you've earned and God has graced you in it. Share with us a little bit your understanding of mission, like God's mission, and your understanding of the priesthood of all believers, maybe kind of how those go together. Yeah, Acts 1-8 is, is kind of something I always refer to when he says that you'll receive power to be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all the ends of the earth. And um, the power is not where you're going to feel good, you're going to be strong, you're going to be you know able to speak in tongues or dance or always feel happy. That power is, is, is being a witness to him and for him. And, and I, I break up the power into an acronym is it's about prayer. P is for prayer. You got to have that, that connection with God through prayer. The O is for offering. And I'm not talking about passing the hat, but it's more about how Paul said, I'm, I'm a drink offering. I'm going to pour out my life. And so you have to offer your life to be full for Jesus in the morning, noon at night, repeat. And then W is worship. If you get your heart right with God and worship him and he becomes the most intense thing in your life to where you're in awe of all the time, it's going to be intriguing all the time where it's all about God because other things are always going to be chasing your your attention. Money, the newest fads, technology, the news, the, the trends, all those things are going to try to grab your heart's attention and if your heart is is just worshiping the Lord, as he says, he inhabits the praise of his people and we need to be inhabited while we're on mission, then E is equipping. I'm always, always trying to equip myself by scripture reading, learning God's word, learning what God's doing in the earth and trying to find out how to catch up with them, but also equipping others. Iron sharpens iron. Uh, I, I learn from so many others and i get to repeat it and some by the third time they say you can own it and you just don't quote who it was that said it but (laughs) but just equipping each other and and learning from another and i i love hanging out with practitioners and and learning the different things that they're doing Um, i've been doing this for a long time and i'm learning so many new intriguing things and some things are forced upon us like this last year where we had to learn how to use technology to continue to spread the gospel. And, and then the R is, um, what was it? Oh, reach. <laughs> you're going to reach people now. You know, you're going to go after the, the lost. You're, you're going to want to reach out to somebody and, and share the, the good news of Jesus. And so I'm always trying to get the young guy that feels called to it and the young lady that's ministering in incredible ways or the young adults or the youth, there's a revival, underground revival happening with the youth right now that they are incredibly doing, you know, they're doing TikTok evangelism. They're doing all kinds of incredible stuff that we will never hear. And I don't think we're supposed to, because if we do, we might touch it and ruin it. But there are some incredible things happening. And I think always trying to, to learn those things and be okay, because there's stuff that I realize I'm getting traditional. Like the digital giving, it took me a while to figure like that's okay because I love the whole part of, you know, releasing from my hand. And yeah. these new church pastors were like, oh, do you text to give? I was like, that's of the devil. You know, that's <laughs> <who's fault>. you <laughs> know. <laughs> and I was like, I sound old all of a sudden. <laughs> you know? But I had, to, I had to understand that my wife's like, I pay all our bills digitally, you know, so yeah. why can't we offer our first fruits through 
digitally mm. giving to the church and and mm. believing that the church is gonna i'm giving through the church to reach the world and so i'm gonna i'm gonna give to the church through online giving i had to learn that and so i'm out there trying to learn my father he, he told me before he passed away that if you stop learning you're dead you always got to learn and you got to you got to be open to the source of where you learn from there's things I've, i learned from the world and people are like, oh, you can't do that. That's worldly. Uh, well, I believe that God, he's the, uh, has all authority on heaven and earth. And I'm just going to sanctify because they're doing it. We just were late to getting it. And so we're, I'm going to use the music. I'm going to use the technology. I'm going to use the business platform, whatever we can to glorify Christ and, and to make him known. Mm. Yeah, we would love to ask you, I mean, I think we kind of talked about some of the barriers that you see mm. with, maybe we would call it maybe like more traditional church model, the yeah. barriers that you see individually and corporately that are preventing people from doing this, from getting mm. on mission, from getting outside the walls, from having messy church and mm -hmm you know, from having gangsters <laughs> come mm -hmm. to church. Because we had, I think we've shared before, we, we did some outreach as well at our church. And we had some non-traditional people showing up. Mm -hmm. And it was a challenge because our members, like while we were trying to love these non-traditional people, our members were like a little horrified because it's mm -hmm. quote, not safe. Yeah. You know. So anyway, what would what do you see those barriers being? You, you mentioned a lot of it already. It's just people are afraid of risk. They're afraid of lawsuits or someone getting hurt or their reputation being corrupted because they're affiliating or being around somebody that is is terrible. And sadly, we're we're even like that with ourselves. Hmm. We we kick our our own people down. We shoot our wounded instead of having grace and love on them. And so I think a lot of it is, is selfishness. Yeah. They're self-preserving. They're looking out for their own instead of the kingdom. Mm. Not realizing that that is what's amazing is that we get to partner with God in loving people. And I'm, I'm always preaching to uh, the set free group or the street type churches that I work with that you yourself are being segregated and limiting your reach you can reach the guy that has the seven figure job. You know, you can reach the the collegiate intellect with your street, you know, talk. You can still reach them because uh, again, it's not you. It's, mm. it's gotta be the Holy Spirit that <laughs> yeah. leads them. Jesus told us that he would give us the words. You know, Paul told us when you go before Kings, we know that there's gonna be times where we're gonna be intimidated by who we're in front of. But if we just submit to being bold and not afraid of the person who may can take our life, but can't take our soul, we should be bold. And so I, I think it's managing risk has been the, the barrier I've seen from us really going forward. Um, right now, people listening to this later on, but there's a moment we're in where we're seeing what's happening in Afghanistan. And a lot of Christians that I, I know and who have served there, and even my son as a Marine that served there two times, they're, they're just like, wow, people are running for their lives, but we don't see the ones that aren't. And there are some bold 
believers that are saying, no, I'm going to stay in the, in the fire and I'm going to be the light even if I lose my life. And I, I believe that's what, why Paul, the apostle Paul was like that because his first discipleship moment was Stephen being martyred. And he was like, this is a Christian. This is someone who is willing to die for the message of Jesus Christ to the point of where he was stoned and, and not smoking weed, but he was stoned to death, you know? And so he, he was rocked you know, by, by Stephen <laughs> instead, of him, stone, right? instead <laughs> of him rocking Stephen. He was I don't rocked. know, Kurt. I read that story. I don't find any evidence that he wasn't actually stoned. Like it doesn't say so, you know, <laughs> but, but Paul, Paul was like, crazy to to the point where he was in jail he was shipwrecked he he did all that stuff because his first initial contact with the christian was stephen mm-hmm. i just wonder if the first contact with a lot of people that we have out here meet a christian would they then imitate him and if they are will they be willing to live their life to death for christ or in comfort and so i think we just need to actually read the scriptures and then realize that we're to, to do them. And if, if it's to lose our life, it's, it's to gain glory. You know, that's why Paul said, you know, to live for Christ, you know, is for your sake, you know, but I really want to go. I, but for your sake, I got, I got to stay because mm-hmm. you're not getting that. We need to get to that point. I want you to get to that point where it's, it's great to leave because we're going to be with Jesus but for the sake of another generation that doesn't have that, you know, boldness, I'm, I'm going to stay here for a while, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think, yeah, the risk factor, the comfort zone, yeah. there, there's many, Yeah, not enough equipping, not enough releasing, mm-hmm. believing that the, the only ones that can do it are the professionals. Yeah. Whatever that is. Um, yeah. I don't even know what makes you a professional, I guess, <laughs> if you do it and you get paid, I guess, but <laughs> yeah, um, that's good. What would yeah. you, to piggyback off of that, what would you say as an encouragement to people who are listening right now and maybe they're feeling prompted, maybe mm. they're compelled to yeah. check out this missional kind of stuff yeah. or they're considering their own creative expression of the gospel, what would you say to encourage them? Don't disqualify yourself because of your pedigree your background, what you've been through, what you've done. Jesus has cleansed you and made you right. And he is filling you with the purpose and you have an impact that only you can have. And so look at it that way is that you're you're uniquely made for, for today to reach so many people for Christ the way that only you can. So be you. Mm-hmm. What an honor it is to represent Jesus. What a privilege. And the, the cool thing is, I think the other thing I was bothered with when I was growing up in church is I thought it was boring. And it was in mm-hmm. some senses, but mm-hmm. living for Christ is an adventure. It's fun. You get to see God come and provide for you in ways that you could have never imagined. You get to see the peace that surpasses all understanding in the midst of some of the hardest times of your life. All those things. And then you get to meet you know, crazy cool people like Daniel and Christine that love Jesus, you know, and you get to see that the family of God is huge and diverse Mm -hmm. and of all language and nations and that you are a part of something bigger than yourself. And so it gets you to say, what is my role and how can I get active? And then you get to just praise God through it, you know? So 
Mm-hmm. Don't let your age, your gender, your your nationality, your status of life that you you're in think that that's going to disqualify you. Because I've read the scriptures, and there's some crazy people in there that God has used. And so, if God could use me, I tell people all the time, God must be hard up if He picked me. Uh, <laughs> he's desperate, but He's He's full of love. And and if you see the facts of it, He He sees something great in us. And I liken it to that that parable where he talks about a man that finds a, a treasure in an abandoned field that nobody really wants, and he he went and bought the whole field, and that whole field had you know dirt, everything you know nobody wanted it, it was abandoned, and to look at how Jesus wanted us, and we felt like nobody wanted us, but Jesus wants us, and then he also calls us to join him in the mission, and it is a, a mission that you will be just frustrated wondering, could I be capable? Am, am I the right person? But to realize that Jesus has chosen you uh, and he's prepared to work for you that nobody else can do, find that as an honor. Find that as a time where you can just thank him that he sees us as worth uh, to go and purchase and then not just purchase, but to live with and for. What an honor it is to serve him, to be a representative for him. And I had a pastor who was just about to get a license and he, he asked me, so what happens after I, I become a pastor? Like, what, what do I do? I said, you better not change because we see what you're doing now. So yeah. nothing should change. We're just, we're just affirming that what we see that the Holy Spirit's done and the call on your life. And so please do not change. There should not be a change in your life. And I'm the same before I became a pastor than I was now that I am a pastor. And, and that's what a lot of my friends and people that knew me before I was a pastor, they're like, dude, you're still the same guy. It's like, yeah, I just have a different role and, and different things I got responsible for that I'm accountable for. Um, but no, I, I, I love Jesus just like you. I'm no, no different. And if I make you feel different, then I, I'm not discipling you well. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Kirk, so if people wanted to find out a little bit more about Set Free Church, mm-hmm. maybe contact you in some way, how would they go about getting in contact? Yeah, you can go to uh, setfreerocks.com. That's S-E-T-F-R-E-E-R-O-C-K-S.com. That's the website for Set Free. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram as well. You can contact me at koverstreet at namnamb.net. That's that's who I work for is uh, North American Mission Board with the SIN Network helping plant churches. If you want to plant a church, talk to me. I'd love to see that because I believe that if you're planting a church, you're going to go after the loss. That's your, your goal is to reach people and, and gather them and make disciples. And uh, it's just one of the greatest evangelistic tools under heaven besides unity in the body of Christ, I believe. And so my my number, 909-615-0427, I do answer anytime. I don't know where you're at, but That's I will return your call because I, I, I love that someone answered when I needed hmm. them to answer. And so I, I make myself available with that. And you can find me on YouTube, Kirk Overstreet. All those those little platforms besides Twitter. I've never done Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kirk, you're everywhere. Yeah. Thanks, bud. We certainly thank appreciate have, having you on. Thank you for taking the time. Yeah, thanks. Thank you. 
I appreciate you guys. Blessings. And yeah, thanks for sharing the story and continued blessings and what Set Free Church is doing. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Only on a Sunday. Next time, we will continue our conversation with John and Nancy Pentelis. They are the local Young Life Area directors here in Santa Clarita, and they have done an amazing work in planting the gospel amongst the special needs community. If you've enjoyed the content offered on these podcasts and would like to support us on our team, we would like to invite you to donate at the scvunderground.org. We truly appreciate any support from our listeners. Again, thanks for joining us, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. God bless.